5AA Breakfast. David Penberthy and Will Goodings. Weekdays from 6 till 9 on Adelaide's 5AA. 23 minutes to 9. A little bit earlier in the program, David, you played the role of a police officer, which is awkward now because we do have the acting police commissioner, uh, Linda Williams, in the uh, studio with us. Commissioner, good morning. Thank you. Thanks for coming in, Deputy uh, b- Commissioner. Before we get to that, who are you basing your, 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 your police officer on? Well, we love our catch-ups with SAPOL every morning at 6.45, and I, I must admit, I hope he's listening, because I was trying to tap into my inner Dave Muir. He is on. Is he? Oh, it's been confirmed. <laughs> Dave <laughs> Muir. You, you, David Pemberthy is David Muir. Well, I don't know if Dave's going to nominate me for an Oscar or, you know, tell his mates to pull me over next time they see me driving down Goodwood Road. <laughs> I fear it might be the latter. <laughs> hey, great having you in, Deputy Commissioner. Now... I was just saying to you off air, we don't want to rope you in a, any sort of live discussion of this case involving the the, the, the police officer and the, the fellow in Wyala because we understand that there's still a bit of uh, legal water to flow under the bridge in terms of what happens from here with that case. But is it possible for you to clear up a question we've, we've had from a lot of our listeners about whether you're required, if a police officer asks you to give your name when you've pulled over for whatever... Are you actually obligated to do that or can you write it on a piece of paper? There are different pieces of legislation that give police authorities to ask for different information. So it depends which piece of legislation you start from as to what rights the police officer has to ask for your name and address or other personal particulars such as your driver's licence and Mm. other questions. We have legislative authority to ask who was the driver of a vehicle at a certain time. So it depends where it comes from but by and large... um, our understanding has always been you are required to, when you, where you can, where you're physically capable, to actually provide your name orally. Yeah. Um, mm. So that's always been our understanding. Because reading that transcript, as, as we did, you, you get the sense that if the guy had... And it was almost more a question of basic manners and politeness rather than what the relevant bit well, of legislation is. Why would you is. bother? You'd done nothing wrong. The guy had done nothing wrong. Exactly. Just give your name. As a general rule, would your tip be just answer the question? Well, my general, my general <laughs> advice is we train our police officers in their authorities and if they're asking for something or directing you to do something, then they've been trained in that and should understand it and it would be in your best interest to comply unless you think it's so outrageous. But uh, mm. by and large, police officers are well-trained and they, they, they know what their limits are and what they can and can't do. Mm. Mm. We've been speaking at, uh, at length this morning and, and our listeners have had a, a range of views too on the proposal to change motorcycle licensing laws, given we've had a, a horror year road toll wise with, with people on motorcycles especially. Um, from your perspective, is, is there some sort of licensing solution to this problem or is it, um, is, is it somehow bigger and less controllable than that? Um, firstly, I think that the road toll that we have at the moment is is quite shocking. We are deep, we are deeply concerned about it. And this morning, I'm meeting with 60 of our senior officers from across the state, um, superintendents, inspectors, chief inspectors, and we're having um, a, a, a good look at the current road toll, what the issues are, what we need to be doing from an enforcement perspective, um, because it's deeply concerning and it's, it touches people's lives. Road, road deaths will touch lives more than any any other crime that we have. It will touch the general community across all sections of the population. Um, and I do think there are some things that we, we we've obviously have enforcement. We, we're out on the roads, we're highly visible, and uh, we can set up all sorts of legislative schemes, and some will help in deterring people. We, mm. should, we should consciously look at, from an evidence base, what more we can do there. Um, but ultimately, this is, comes down to an individual's responsibility. It comes down to their choices they make when they're on the road. Yeah. Some people are just risk-takers, and they're taking the risk of, with their own life, but they're also taking the risk with other road users' yeah. lives, and that's deeply concerning. We're currently at 31 road deaths this year, um, that's incredibly high. Nine, um, nine of those are motorcyclists, and um, 
then we've got pedestrians as well. So they, that makes up about 50% of our road deaths, which is highly unusual. So we are very concerned about what's occurring out there. And we'll be, as I say, meeting today, having a look at what we can do differently and what we can do better in terms of trying to bring that back down. Because we do have the rest of the year to work on the, you know, make sure yeah. this road toll um, doesn't climb excessively. Last year was a record low. and We'd like to maintain that. The frustrating thing must be how, and I, I saw yesterday there's a great, um, and it looked like a really elaborate operation where you, you did that drug bust in Glenelg, and I think from from memory in the article, I think it said 70 police were involved. So that's like an, an example of excellent policing that's you know going to save lives. Yet whenever a life is lost on the roads, like the, the more of these that there are, when they're avoidable, you must just feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall at times when you think, we don't want to be out there picking people up off the road. Oh, look, it's very, um, for us it's frustrating. For the, for the families that are affected by this, it must be devastating. Um, but we don't give up. And we just, we, we regroup, we look at what we're doing, we look at where we're, where we're deploying our police officers. Is it, the, is it the right place based on the evidence of what's occurring out there? You know, is it regions? Is it the metro? Hmm. Um, where, are we less, where are we most likely to have the greatest impact? And with motorcyclists, we've been doing uh, significant operations in the Adelaide Hills because it seems to be on weekends, that's where a lot of people like to take their bike out, new hmm. bikes. People who probably haven't ridden for maybe a few years get the new bike and, and off they go. Because a lot of the motorcyclist deaths aren't necessarily young people. Some of them are in that 35 to 45 Age yeah. bracket as well. So it's about saying to people, are you really aware of your capability and your competency when you get on a bike that you might not have been on for years? Yeah, we got a good text to that effect earlier from someone who's um, ridden a bike for their uh, entire life, Ashton. He said, I'm a bike rider and I think the harder they make it to get a license, the better. They're powerful, the margin for error is small. I learned to ride in Bali and the theory of riding so that others won't hit me has stayed with me ever since. Yeah. Follow the rule, might is right. Yeah. It's I mean, you're on a motorcycle or you're a pedestrian, you don't have the protection of a car, the body of a car around you. So mm. any error where you come off your bike or you, or your pedestrian, you get hit by a car, the injuries or the chance of it being a, fat a fatality is much higher because you just don't have that protection. Yeah, exactly. Deputy Commissioner Linda Williams, thanks so much for coming in. We'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks very much. Cheers. Seven, eight minutes.